Hey there, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Make sense out of the senseless, but all possible. Find the obvious, buried in the absurd. Hold on to your lug nuts. Time for a friggin' overhaul. Let's go. Glad to have you join me one more time on this little exercise in common sense for uncommon times. So here's a disclaimer. I haven't had any coffee yet. It is zero dark 30 in Chicago, but we have a little bit of a road trip today to Green Bay, Wisconsin and back. So I'll be having coffee on the road. I don't want to overdo it. I don't want to be over caffeinated if that's even possible. So it's just H2O this morning. And what a morning it is. I have to set the scene here a little bit because this is got to be my favorite time of the year for a lot of different reasons. But the sun is just coming up, cracking over the trees in the east. The crickets, I don't think you can hear, but let me see. So if I get some room sound for you. No, maybe you can, maybe you can't. The crickets are in concert. And so it's this kind of this in-between time. It's not summer anymore. It's not quite autumn yet. And it's that little connecting bridge in between the two. And I just love this time of year. You know, it, it, it's been raining on and off this week. The, the temperatures have kind of cooled down a little bit, yet during the day it's maybe reaching 80. And I can still be barefoot in the yard, which makes me really, really happy. So uh, I had a great night's sleep. I woke up waiting for this little trip we have today. But before I bugged out, of course, I wanted to get into the Life 2.0 podcast. And today, very specific. So while I'm still working without notes or a net, which can or cannot be at some point, depending on how you look at it, a good thing, or a bad thing. I have something so prevalent in my head, it was like I couldn't wait to get to Saturday morning. This past week was homecoming at my alma mater, Shures High School in Chicago. And being very active in the alumni uh, has been so rewarding for me. The chance to spend time with people that I went to high school with is just fantastic. It's become this snowball effect of sorts uh, it started about 10 years ago when our, our coach, the great late Ray Smith, passed away. I think it was like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. And a bunch of old football players got together, and it got bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, we're doing this thing called the Bulldog Bash, and it gets bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, we're raising money for the school, and that gets bigger and bigger. And it becomes addictive a little bit. You, you, know, you, you start to be able to roll the years back to a very different time in some ways, not always, but in some ways. And that's really the premise of today's podcast about that perspective. But I'll get to that in a second. But to spend time with people uh, that had a shared experience, and since everybody has a different experience in high school, you know, not everybody's on board, that's fine. But the people that show up to these events and get involved, um, there's this interesting, invisible thread that binds us all together. Now, for us, it's a, it's a school at Milwaukee and Addison in Chicago, 3601 North Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. It's been there since 1910. So it's been around quite a while. And while the challenges and changes of education have shifted over time, this building remains as this monolithic uh, stance to um, public school education in Chicago for me. And it was within walking distance of home, so that was great. Uh, it was probably a mile and a half, maybe two miles round trip. Of course, in the winter, it was 48 miles, right? Backwards. But 
it was just this perfect setup that uh, I was able to walk there and back for four years. And it became like an expanded part of my world. You know, first I'm walking to grammar school, which is literally right around the corner from where we live. That was the extent of my universe, that whole playground. I still have friends from there. And we have a great time when we connect because we have that shared experience. When I went to high school, I was walking now, you know, a mile and a half, two miles back and forth each day for four years. And my world expanded then. We went from 60 kids in our class to there was at one point in Schur's 5,000 kids in that school. So it has this moment for me. And then you layer on top uh, a sports, which was prevalent back in the day. It's, it's shifting now, but back then football was the top of the, the heap. And the guys that I would watch play football who were older than me, they were my heroes. You know, while I loved enjoying watching the Bears and Dick Butkus and the Rams and Deacon Jones and all the different, you know, Tommy Nobis at the Atlanta Falcons, um, it was really the guys who were in front of me that I admire more than anything. They were, I mean, I'd see these guys walking down the halls and they're like gods, you know, the, the late great John Sif Notice and Niedenbach and the Kakmar brothers and Bliss and uh, Amundsen and Rich Williams and all, all, the, all these guys. So when it was our turn to move up into football and be part of Frostsoft or whatever, you knew who was ahead of you. And there was a deep responsibility that a lot of us, if not all of us, felt to what they had done. It's pretty cool. So with all that being said, eventually, uh, you know, I, I moved up to varsity football and uh, my friend Tim Anderson and I became co-captains of this, this Shurer's Bulldog team for 1976-77. Back then, high honor, right? So you have Shurer's as the second largest high school in the city. And then you have Lane Tech, which was our arch rival right down the, the road at, on Addison, which was the largest high school in the city. And then everybody else kind of fell in line behind that. And some of the South Side schools had huge numbers as well. And they were powerhouses like CVS and Morgan Park. So public league football back then was just the thing. It was, it was a pinnacle, I think, in many ways coming out of the 60s when football was really emerging in, on a pro level and football was picking up you know, in the neighborhoods and at the schools and things like that. And when you're chosen to be the co-captain of the second largest high school in Chicago in the 1970s, uh, there's great responsibility that comes with that. At least that's how Tim and I accepted it and, and, and have moved through it. And I guess we've probably both done it in our own way. Obviously, we're not the exact same kind of guys. We're cut from the same cloth in many ways. And it's, I'm telling you for right now, part of the reason I want to do this podcast is it's, it dawned on me this past week when I attended the homecoming game after 150 years, how much that stuff is still in me. You know, being chosen to get out in front and do certain things uh, back then by Coach Prio, Coach Smith, Coach Maurer, Coach Olquire, the coaches and the team uh, looking to you to do that. It's, it's, it's a title for sure, but there was about something about being out front, uh, and upfront with the, with the team has been with me ever since. I can't quite get my, my head around it, except for the fact that I've, I keep feeling like I need to be out front. Like I need to do something. I need to lead something. I need to get something done. And it's incessant. Sometimes it's really annoying. But the truth is, is that it was a really important time in my life where I was given the opportunity to be out front. 
And I've taken it seriously ever since then. Whether I'm on the radio, writing books, doing talks, it's about being out front. And I think what it did, I don't know if it gave me anything I didn't have, but it brought something alive in me that I didn't know was in there. And it, it, it's, a, it's fascinating to me. It's been one of the driving forces in my life. Football, the game itself, I've learned a lot from. And it is on the decline in many places because of injuries and things like that. And no more was that apparent when we went to the football game last Thursday. And the setup was is we did an alumni appreciation day. And I thought we'd maybe get five people out. It's a Thursday afternoon. It's at 4.15 and there's traffic and it's Chicago. And it's just, you know, we've never done this before. And so we decided we're going to have 25 slots and we're going we're gonna to get 25 t-shirts. And we're going to have a barbecue afterward at, at the field that we most of us practiced on when we were at Schur's, which is now a $3 million beautiful piece of artwork in the city. Wasn't like that when we were there. We called it Astro Glass Field, Shit Glass Field, Dog Shit Field, because all that stuff, we would line up literally before practice, and there'd be a line of 60 or 70 guys, and we'd walk the field to pick up all the shit that was laying there. It was just a, a field. Now it's got a fence, it's got Astro Turf. Well, I know it's Astro, but it's like a, it's like a different kind of composite field. Uh, and they spent three million bucks, and it's named after the guy that I got to play for. So it's a big deal that for us to go there, that that are part of this whole bulldog nation thing. And we go to the game last week, uh, and twenty five people filled. I mean, the roster filled up. We all went, and it was from across the decades. We went back as Don Mendro was the was there. I think he graduated in sixty five, nineteen sixty five. So Don's Don was. We went back as far as Don. There was a couple. Um, uh, graduates from the 2000s, I think, like 2009, something like that. So it was quite an experience. And watching these young guys play football, coached by other guys that went to Shures, I'm throwing out names here because James Marable was one of the greatest players that ever played Chicago football ever in the, at the high school level. He's the head coach. And there are other coaches on staff that also played at Shures. And you see this legacy thing. But it's to the point, and it's been kind of going this direction, that the kids today, I'm going to sound like an old geezer here, they're not the kids of yesteryear. They're not like we were at that time. There's a lot of very different changes that, that have you know, brought this about, which I don't have time to get into today. I don't have enough coffee, which is none, to, to dissect it. But it was never more apparent when I was at the game, and, and we're all in the stands, all of us that played football, and we are worked up like you wouldn't believe. And I'm looking on the field. Now, look, I'm going to be 65 in December. I can't be getting worked up watching football anymore. But myself and, and Tim was there. Now, Tim is the band director at Schur's, and so he was doing his thing. And like I said, there's 20 of us in the stands, and we're frothing at the mouth. And I'm looking at these kids on the sideline, and they're just kind of like going through the motions, wandering around. And and I, I can't relate to that. And... I'll tell you a little bit later what, what came up and what was said that made that sense to me. But we, we, I think the disconnect was, especially at this stadium we played at, this is Lane Tech Stadium. And I, I apologize on one hand for keeping this um, so very Chicago local today, but that's what's on my mind. And I hopefully to expand on it at the end about the real takeaway, which I think is universal. But this stadium, Lane Tech Stadium, is now called Fritz Pollard Field. Um, 
was where many battles took place, and it looks a lot smaller than it did when I played there back in the day. And the kids are kind of walking and just walking off the field and stuff like that. We weren't allowed to do any of that stuff. And it comes down to this inner fire, I think, that you need to have, whether you're playing football or building a business, that you kind of got to set yourself on fire every single day from the inside out. Life's hard, and football's hard. And I think that's maybe where the comparisons have come in, that I was able to take the fire that got stoked on the football field and keep the embers burning across the, the decades. No matter what I'm doing, seriously, what I'm right, I just finished this book with Hunley. I had to set myself on fire every day to get it done. Just had to. And I, the times that we live in now, and this was so very interesting to me. You know, there, my friend Jenny Weissman, who's listening to this podcast, I'm sure, because we spend every Saturday together virtually. She's in California. I'm here in Chicago. We've been friends for a long time. We talk quite often off the air. Uh, but she gave me a quote years ago that was just fantastic by Aeneas Nin that says, we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. And that's exactly what came into play at that football game. I'm watching these kids, and they look like kids to me. Back when I played, we, we didn't look like, I mean, some of the guys I had playing next to me look like they were, you know, in their 30s. But it's all relative in perspective, isn't it? I'm looking at these kids, and of course they're, you know, they could be my grandson. So there's that piece. And the second piece is, is that the world that they live in is not the world I lived in. And the challenges and changes that I had, they don't, and vice versa. And so it's beyond my comprehension as a guy who played the game at the high school level and the college level and the semi-pro level with a certain, let's say, attitude problem. And to be able to transfer that attitude to other things, even doing this podcast, I could it's like game day for me. I couldn't wait up wait to get up this morning and do this. I couldn't wait to get up to do this. That's that's important because like I couldn't wait to get dressed for the game. It's the same thing to me. No matter what I'm doing, cutting the grass, especially when it's hot out. When I'm cutting the grass and it's hot out, I'm just pouring off me. I think what it was like to be back at football practice and pushing the blocking sled and doing blocking drills and running pass routes and you know all the things you do, they're all connected somewhere for me and they, they're all part of the movement. And so the game was kind of tough to watch because of that. You know, these kids do their best they can with what they got. The coaches can't give them anything. I know they all try to bring something out of them, but it's just a very different deal. And so while we're frustrated in the stands, it, it, it goes the way that it goes, and they're on the losing end of things. And we had this barbecue set up afterwards. And so I left early to get back to the school to help set all this up. And I got to tell you, um, I had a lump in my throat when I got there because the current crop of kids that are working on homecoming stuff, uh, and a huge shout-out to Dee Barrett who coordinates all this stuff, I pulled up at the school expecting, well, there might be a grill or two sitting there. We'll get some paper plates, a couple hot dogs and stuff. No, they had balloons and banners and music, and it's like this big welcome home thing. I got choked up. It meant so much they did that. And in all the years that I've been part of working on alumni things, never once did I feel like the role was reversed. We were all doing this stuff for the kids today. We raise a lot of money for programs and and things that are going on at the school that CPS can't possibly cover. But now I felt it was reversed. We walk up 
I'm like, what's going on here? It was fantastic. And the setting was perfect. There was a light rain, you know, it's kind of getting dark and you can smell the leaves, you know, the whole thing's going on. And pretty soon all the alumni started showing up and they had the same look on their face that I did. We're wearing our shirts and we're feeling good and they're cooking us cheeseburgers and hot dogs. And, you know, there is nothing like a grilled hot dog, right? Just grilled up over those briquettes uh, with a, a, a flame going, I'm good. Give me like 27 of those. I'm good to go. Not all at once. But in conversation, it came up again about this perspective thing, about what these kids are dealing with that we didn't have to and how much of a difference that makes. And the concept of, of perspective has got to be, to me, the number one leverage point in life. Go back to what Aeneas Nin said. We don't see things the way they really are. We see things the way we are. And I would add to that the way we used to be. When I was at the game, this young guy was sitting there and he was taking stats. I don't know who he worked for, what his deal was. We went back and forth. And I said to him a, a version of that. He, he played football at some point at uh, Chicago Public Schools and we're having this conversation. It's a total stranger, but football brought us together. And, and I said, you know, we don't see things as they really are. We see them as they, we remember they were. And he's like, well, I got to write that down. I'm like, well, it's not original to me. It may be my words, but it goes back to this perspective thing, which is the biggest challenge in our lives, how we see things and the difficulty of changing the way we see things, which then changes, as Wayne Dyer said it this way, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so we're all standing around that night and it's getting darker and it's just wonderful and everybody's there having a good time. And some of the old football players were kind of congregated and huddled up off to the side. We were all talking. And uh, there's this fellow named John Carnuth. I got to give Johnny his props. He is a, uh, he's a neighborhood advocate. This guy does stuff that just fascinates me. And he's a pillar of the community, in my opinion. And while our politics probably, probably differ, I have such great respect for what John believes and what he, he lives. And he brought up the thing. He said, Augie, he said, listen, these kids... Probably half those kids you watch today, they are food insufficient. They don't have the kind of connections we have. They didn't come home like we did every day to the parents being there and the food being there and, you know, the kind of the Mayberry-ish type of life back in the 70s, even though it wasn't quite that, but there were, you know, it was a very different thing. And he goes, so these kids are totally built different than you and I and the rest of us here. And we're to, to expect them to have the same fire and the pride and all those type of things, he says, not possible. They don't have the same reference points we do. They don't have the same influences we had. He's right. You know, he, he helped me clear this up because I'm sitting there going, how is it possible you can't stand here and feel like you can take on the world? Because they don't have that. Their lives are very, very different. And it's not good or bad. It's just different. And that's really been the crux of it the last couple of days since this, uh, this game on Thursday and the subsequent barbecue, which will probably become an annual thing. It's how we see it. And so, of course, I'm looking through it of the eyes of a guy who's now going to be 65 pretty soon, but also through the eyes of that 17-going-on-18-year-old that played back then and how the world was back then. And each one of us in the stands we're seeing it through whatever years we attended high school. And we were cheering like crazy and want to go, let's go. And, you know, we're all kidding. Come on, we're going to put a helmet on and go out and play. Oh, that would go real well. 
So in all of this, it was about the bigger deal going on here. How much of life is how we see it as opposed to how it really is. When we do our fundraisers for the school, the kids we raise the most money for are what are called STLS kids, students in temporary living situations, homeless to some greater or lesser degree. When I went to school there, there, we didn't have that. There may have been some kids that were in those positions. Nobody knew about it. There was no programs for it for sure. And now upwards of 18,000 CPS kids every year, every school year, are in these programs because they're in that position. I never, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what that feels like. So just that piece right there is enough to shift everything. When we first started working with the school, we said, where can we help? They said, this is the program. We were said, like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a whole budget set up for the CPS for kids that don't have a home. <laughs> Time out, what? So just, as I said, just that puzzle piece is enough to shift things. Those are the kids we spend most of our money on when we raise it because we want to give them the things they need that we had and took for granted. So we'll never meet any of them. It doesn't matter if they meet us. It's not what that's about. It's about paying it back and paying it forward at the same time. But it's been just so on me about the concept of coming home and what happens when you go home if, you, if nobody's there. You know, you can always go home. It doesn't mean anybody's going to be there to, you know, to, to connect with you. And that was no more apparent uh, on Thursday. The little group we had of, of alumni we all have those connections to this place these kids don't have and can't have and may never have. Some of the things that uh, were not in evidence at the football game was how it was back in the day when there was homecoming queen and her court was chosen. The homecoming king, I think, was probably chosen. There was floats. We'd spend hours building floats in somebody's garage and then the floats would be pulled in and there'd be all you know floats going around and they'd be awarded and stuff like that and the stands would be packed there'd be five thousand people in the stands for homecoming and none of that exists there will be a dance like we used to have uh this tonight i guess that saturday night but all the rest of that stuff is gone and even that was difficult it's like but but the point is is that it was such a huge lesson and reminder for me. And as I pull back and watch everything like that, how do I see the world? What eyes am I using? Sometimes I want to use the eyes of the 17-year-old. It's not a bad thing. But sometimes the 17-year-old shouldn't be looking at things the way the 40-year-old did or the 60-year-old did. And so all these pieces are available to me for perspective. When I look at what's going on in the news, which I try not to, because I've seen most of this stuff most all my life, it doesn't bother me anymore, which is good and bad. You know, I have just another shooting and another, they all just roll into one. Prayers and thoughts, thoughts and prayers all just roll into one. There's no real connection to the humanity anymore because I've seen it so many times. I'm, I'm numb to it. I'm immune to it. That's me at 64. If you'd have seen me at 17, when Nixon resigned, I thought the world was ending. So, these experiences over time have cultivated different steps in perspective. And I think that's the takeaway for me this week. It really was a big shift. Even though I've said this for years, it was like a, it was like a, a visceral experience. I'm looking at these kids on the field 
and they are the age I was back in 1976. And I'm looking at my friends, and we all have gray in our hair, if we have hair at all, and gray in our beards, and the ladies are, you know, recreating their look from, from back in the day, wearing the shirts, and we're trying to roll back the years a little bit. It's only possible mentally, but not physically. So in all of that, as I get ready to wrap this rambling up for today, uh, think about what homecoming means to you and all the different ways that applies in our lives. It's not just a, a school thing or a high school thing. There's just so much to go back to, to learn from. And to me, this I did not expect any of this. Maybe that's one of the reasons I was so excited to get up and talk about it. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect the turnout we had. I certainly didn't expect to have this leverage point that Carnuth brought up about. There is no way that these kids can have what we have or see the way we th- things the way we see them because there is zero references in their lives as there were for us. Zero. And again, if you apply that to everything, politics, religion, sport, if you p- apply it, you can see it. There's no way. Listen, I watch baseball and I'm like, how can these guys run around the bases with 40 pounds of gold chains on their neck? I don't get that. It doesn't make any sense to me. But it makes sense to them. So, it's all about perspective. It's all about going home. It's all about not being afraid to look in the mirror over time and say, huh, maybe I need to change things a little bit. The older I've gotten, the more reunions I've started to attend. I don't know exactly how or why that happened. But you get a chance to go and reconnect with people from a different time. I think it keeps something inside, at least for me, alive that's really important. I don't want to be totally numb to the world. I don't want to be a cynical piece of crap. Because if you ingest all that stuff, that's what happens. It becomes the reality. So finding these niches, walking in the grass with no shoes on, is a big deal to me. Because it reminds me of when I was a kid, but I could just do that. I mean, I go all the way. If I can go into November without shoes on, I'm doing really good. I mean, i got to put them on now because I go out to you know places that you have to have shoes on. But when I'm home, forget about it. Nay, nay. There's no shoes on Johnny's feet. As long as possible. So it's about homecoming and perspective. And again, we don't see things the way they really are. We see things the way we are. If you carry that with you today, you'll be amazed to see how things might change. This song from John Denver, written by Jan Garrett, been running through my head uh, about that. So I want to leave you with their, their work and words. Until next time, be well, safe travels, keep the faith. It's hopeless And I'll never make it 
Oh, 